Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Wasn't Televised, is an engrossing and beautiful new film by Roots drummer, DJ, author, and now filmmaker Amir Questlove Thompson. Summer of Soul is an incredible feat, capturing the crowds and incredible performances from the likes of Stevie Wonder, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Nina Simone, B.B. King, Sly and the Family Stone, and so many more. At the Harlem Cultural Festival in 1969, the same year and just 100 miles away from Woodstock. The film was crafted impeccably from 40 hours of beautifully restored footage from the festival that sat unpublished and largely unseen until now. Also, the way Questlove puts the footage and this cultural event in the context of the time is nearly perfectly done. There's a lot more that can be said about this film and will be said about this film, so I'll just leave my intro with this. See Summer of Soul as soon as you can, and if possible, see it in a theater. This is an experience, as much as it is a film. So what do you guys think about Summer of Soul? Overwhelmed by this movie. It is so much more than I expected walking into it, and I was already very hyped for it. And had already, so we did a, an episode of our Film Streams podcast, Back Row Center, about this. So I'd done a lot of preparing for that, but hadn't seen Summer of Soul yet. So I thought that I was really, really knew what I was in for, but it was even more than than what I was expecting. So it's so much more than a concert doc. It is really a historical documentary. It contextualizes for me why I'm seeing what I'm seeing. And I think that that's the, the best documentaries do that especially the best uh, music festival documentaries. This film was completely overwhelming for me. I literally found myself on the verge of tears, but like happy tears five times during this film because it just radiated so much joy and so much community and coming together and just gorgeous footage and the sound was incredible. The sound in this is great. One of my complaints about music festival films is that the sound never, it's never good enough. Just have FOMO or listen to the record because the music festival is going to just not be a good like approximation of that. But like, yeah, I don't know how much Questlove um, had a hand in the the post-production, but he probably had some some opinions about who should be hired to, you know, be the sound mixer, be the sound editor. Um, or watching the final cut because you can totally tell that a musician mixed this because it's mixed correctly, <laughs> um, which is like one one of the things for me that in in music festival docs is always um, an issue. It's like filmmakers, you know, trying to make a film, but they're not uh, musicians or people who are particularly like sound first trying to make a film. And I think you can really tell that a musician is making this film. It just makes so much sense that. Questlove is such like a brilliant collage artist in like any medium. His music with the roots is so is so layered and incorporates live components and samples and all and just it's extremely effective. That people already know that. But to see that skill translated to a visual medium and how well he can blend images in a very similar way, like interviews in archival footage, not just of the concert, but really interesting and engaging historical content that doesn't necessarily get named or identified or spoken about, but is enhancing what is being said by whoever is testifying or narrating at that time is just, it's so good. 
he's so good and to think that this is his first film is just really shocking he really did a good job he really did a good yeah, job. yeah he should uh he should look into filmmaking more <laughs> i mean there's definitely enough footage for there to be at least like two more films um just about this the whole film so, yeah. had a rhythm and a pace that was impeccable. It kept me engaged. It was almost a perfect movie for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even down to the branding. I mean, the posters that came out with the fonts that were used and the photos. I hate the posters. And yeah, Diana is not really? a fan of the posters. I hate the posters. Oh my God, I love the posters. That's so wild. Okay. But I love the they're posters. Very, I, I mean, it made me want to They're very see impressionist. They're abstract. <laughs> yeah, which I think is why I'm attracted to it. I like, <laughs> I kind of like minimalist art, so it's perfect for me. <laughs> um, I think as like folks trying to advertise a film, though, it can be frustrating okay. <laughs> when it's like, what exactly is this image? It is of? hard. <laughs> it is hard to sell an abstract yeah. poster. <laughs> Where like you have to stand twenty feet away to understand it's a person because if you're standing really close to the poster box, it just looks like colors. You need to tell people that is Sly Stone, and then they'll be like, "Oh, yeah, music." <laughs> Sly Sly Stone is one of those people whose songs I was familiar with, but I've never seen them perform, and I don't think I knew what the band looked like or anything. You know, of course, everybody's heard "Everyday People." because of car commercials and stuff like that but seeing it in the in the correct general music (laughs) history (laughs) i know that's what i'm saying but seeing it in the actual context of the time like made like it made that song just something completely different from what i've generally heard through my life you know what i mean and and it's something that's so beautiful and it it made like it made this song that's in a commercial like into a song with context and a song that uh, really hit me in a way that I was not expecting going into this to, to hear. Yeah. I mean, Questlove only picked good performances for this. Like there's 40 hours of footage or more. Is it? 40 yeah. plus. There is so much 40 plus hours of footage to choose from. He really could pick. And I think like it's fun to think of that when you think about what stories he decided to pick out, like he must've deliberately, or, you know, and also like who was able to be interviewed at sometimes, but I love the like reclamation of fifth dimension that happens in the film, which is a band that was known for like light vocal rock. Uh, they did a, the cover of Aquarius from the musical hair. That's very famous. Um, but they performed at the Harlem Cultural Festival and they talk about how people didn't think of them as particularly black performers or didn't know that they were black even. And like they showed up there and performed and the audience really responded and loved them and how important that was for them as artists and people. That kind of story is just like, I think what we go to, like that is what a music doc can do. Um just because it's a good story in addition to being about good music. I'll never think of that song again, the same way again, mm-hmm. Aquarius. It will never immediately remind me of 40 year old virgin <laughs> again. I'll think of summer of soul instead. <laughs> Thank you. Quest. Yeah, and, and then the film, there's also like a, <laughs> like a great explanation of like what Harlem looked like at the time through using the music festival. Right. So like um, they have like a Latin, a musician, a a drummer, Ray Barreto. And it's like, you know, people talking about 
Harlem, not just being a black community, but like being a brown community as well and having like the huge like New Yorkian um, like population. Like I, I love that context, <laughs> you know, like it, um, especially, especially because I think so many music documentaries are made because of nostalgia um, and take for granted the fact that everyone will always feel this nostalgia for the things in the media document. Like, I think it's so important, like with how much New York is changing to like, just have documents and pictures and footage of like what these neighborhoods used to be. Cause they're not that, um, or at least Harlem, like is quickly changing to not be that, you know, very soon. Um, so this is also just like a really important document with the context. I think that like generations will be able to see this film and understand why it's important. And I think not all, um, you know, music documentaries stand up to that because if you don't have the context or if, you know, you have parents who never exposed you to like this kind of music or anything, um, a lot of film document, uh, music documentaries, you can just watch and not really understand what you're seeing. That fifth dimension part really got me. I'm not going to lie. Like when they were talking about that and they were like watching that footage, I just had such a visceral response. I like almost started crying. Yeah. Cause they're seeing themselves so like young and joyful and, you can tell that there's been a lot that's happened since they were those people on that stage and they're just so overcome. Um, yeah, that passage is just so affecting. And I think it's really interesting. Another section that was really amazing uh, was the Mavis Staples part where she talks about singing with Mahalia Jackson, who was like not feeling well that day. But at that point in 1969, she was the icon of gospel music. And so she taps asks Mavis Staples, who is a very young, like the Staples singers are famous, but she is not famous individually yet, I don't think. And she's quite young. So Mahalia Jackson asks her to help her sing this song and just what a mind-blowing moment that was. A really, another really incredible passage. And I think this is like an extra bit, but Mavis Staples, Staple does not uh, appear on screen. If you'll notice in the interview, that's because she was like the last on the schedule to be interviewed. And they interviewed her during the pandemic by sending a robot, a recording robot into her apartment to record the interview. And they were like in the hallway outside her apartment interviewing wow. her through the robot. What an investment. <laughs> I think so. Oh, it's yeah. So pandemic film history is going to be interesting. Yeah, that uh, that part particularly because it also that part mixes in with uh, Jesse Jackson um, and speaking about the story of when Martin Luther King was assassinated, uh, and just that whole section was just incredible. Any performances that stand out particularly? I mean, I think we already talked about mine. Um, I don't want to give away the ending. <laughs> know but I did read an an uh an interesting interview with Questlove where he said that the original cut had a different performance at the end um and he was worried that it would be too like hurrah we have overcome (laughs) type of thing and he was like I don't want to do that like Hollywood stuff like that's not the narrative that I want to tell in 2021 um and so he swaps out that performance for another one and I think that it's a really I think it's really effective. And I think in that way, you know, he makes a documentary that 
I think will stand the test of time as this historical document about the Harlem Cultural Festival, but it's also incredibly timely. Um, so it's also like a document of today and how we like talk about um, race and community and culture like in, in the 2020s. I think overall my favorite performance was Sly, the Family Stone. Um, it was truly incredible. And I think like the fact that um, we have like several whole songs, I believe, or almost entirely whole songs by them speaks to how much Questlove liked that performance as well. Um, because we have excerpts of performances going on. We have like Stevie Wonder has two songs, uh, Nina Simone, but not really a lot of the other artists get two whole songs in their entirety. So um, yeah, that's slide performance. That's it for me. I'm not going to lie. One of the ones that kind of went under the radar that like uh, was just uh, Papa Staples and the Staples Singers. I just really loved that just the guitar, the blues, like with the gospel singing and, and just the story about, you know, um, them saying like, we didn't even know our dad was like playing blues, you know, that's just what he knew how to play. <laughs> and they were singing gospel over it. I don't know. I just loved that whole story and that song. Um, that was really beautiful to me. And then also there's just so much in this film, just watch it because we didn't get into like, you know, the stuff about the black Panthers being the security guards, the moon landing happening at the same time. Like, uh, just, there's just so much in this film. It's just such a document of the history. Like you have to watch this film regardless of ever, if you ever listened to soul music or anything before, like it's just a beautifully made film about a specific point in time that does refer to the current moment that we're living in. As soon as you move down, we can start. Welcome to the Harlem Culture Festival here in the Harlem Harlem. What time is it? You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer. So with that, what'd you get it? What should people watch with this or read or listen to? I'm going to recommend another concert doc, a uh, festival doc called Watt Stacks. That's from 1973. Um, both the Harlem Cultural Festival and Watt Stacks are sometimes called the Black Woodstock. Uh, it, you know, obviously because Woodstock is both the festival and the concert film that looms over all others um, and kind of, you know, there's problems with that for sure. But Watts Stacks was held on the seventh anniversary of the Watts Uprising. Um, it was organized by Stacks Records and features their entire or a huge slew of their incredible stable of artists, um, including the Staple Singers. So that is a little bit of an overlap. Um, but also Isaac Hayes, the Bar Kays. Um, it's an incredible documentary. And in, in like Summer of Soul, it's also more than a music documentary. You have film crews going out into the neighborhood in Watts and interviewing people on the street to get context of what is going on in the community. And then our sort of like pseudo Virgil guide through the documentary is actually Richard Pryor, who was a relatively unknown comic at the time, who is just riffing 
on um, black liberation and black community throughout the film. So uh, it is a really amazing film. It has been restored recently. You can find it to rent uh, finally. And it was just uh, inducted into the National Registry of Culturally Significant Films. So Watt Stacks is my recommendation. My recommendation uh, is not a film. It is a very specific episode of a television show um, called This Is Pop on Netflix. And every single episode is a different kind of issue in pop music. And episode eight is called Festival Rising. And it is a history of the music festival. Um, it's a really entertaining like documentary series. There's a I mean, this has nothing to do with anything, but maybe it does. There is a great episode on um, auto-tune and T-Pain in particular, which like justice for T-Pain, come on. Like let's, let's uh, love that, love that man. Um, so yeah, I mean, watch the series, but episode eight on festivals is um, particularly interesting. And I feel like the way that the, um, that the show is and the way that the history is told, I actually have retained a lot of the information, which is not very usual for me <laughs> when I'm watching informative things. I forget it immediately. So this is pop on Netflix episode eight festival rising. I'll second that. Like this is pop was a surprisingly amazing series. And I really loved the boys to men episode. And I literally went and put every Boys to Men album in my playlist so good. while I was watching it. Yeah. Also, off subject, the Britpop one is also really good. But anyway. Um, oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, and Oroville Peck hosts the country episode. Oh, the country episode's good. Oh, my God. Yeah. That episode is incredible. Like, when country goes pop, like, oh, it's so good. And Oroville Peck should host every documentary. <laughs> um, anyway, my recommendation is just... Uh, a little bit of pandering, but also I found it super interesting when we did the festival documentary and just hearing um, uh, Paul B. Allen talking about Watt Stacks and, and uh, of, uh, our, of the podcast Backrow Center that we do together. Um, I think people should go listen to that. Um, I thought that was a particularly fun episode. Summer of Soul is playing at the Film Streams Dundee Theater. For KIOS, I'm Joshua LeBure. For Film Streams, I'm Patrick Kinney. And for Film Streams, I'm Diana Martinez.